Hello, heroes. Welcome to Modifier. I'm your host, Megan Dornbrock. Hey there, heroes. This week I talked with one of my favorite people, and also my anime-style rival, Brandon Leon Gambetta. He's been working on a telenovela powered by the Apocalypse game for a while now, Pasión de las Pasiones, that was recently released as an ashcan by Magpie Games. Not only do I just love chatting with Brandon, I was excited to hear about how Passion went from design challenge whim to pending publication. We chat about playbooks with no stats, telenovela stereotypes, and Latinx representation in tabletop. There's also a lot of giggling and tangents. So, let's get to the show. All right, joining me this week is uh, hashtag podcast rival, Brandon Leon Gambetta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so excited to be on. Oh, I'm so glad that you're here. We're going to talk about your game that you've been working on for a while now. Uh, yeah. Passion de las Pasiones. Yeah. And how did I say that sort of right? You said it almost completely right. It's uh, pasión, pasión de las Pasiones. Thank you. Like, I'm not going to say any more Spanish during this episode. Uh, I'm going to try to trick you into saying Spanish things. Mm-mm. Yeah, that, that's that's my plan by the end of this. Okay, good. <laughs> now, well, now you've told me, so uh, I'll still fall. It's okay. That's okay, because in a flashback, I set things up in your room so that you're going to get some memory-erasing nerve gas very soon. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's entirely possible in this building. Um, <laughs> Brandon, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit for people who um, don't already? I, I haven't talked about you or your show in, in a positive or negative way in a while on Modifiers. So, yeah, I definitely um, remember some early episodes where when yeah. you were throwing some shade and some probably deserved I would shade. Never. Uh, I think we also threw shade right back every single time uh, because, probably. in addition to being the author of Pasión de las Pasiones, which is published through Magpie Games, I also run a podcast called Stop Hack and Roll which is a podcast about hacking, rewriting, and reworking games uh, <laughs> that sounds very similar to yours, except hmm. isn't interviews. Uh, it's yeah. uh, kind of trying to do the stuff on air. Well, Stop, Hack, and Roll is you and uh, and James Malloy, yeah. and it's it's you guys working things out together. Yeah, like... and like honestly, Pasión de las Pasiones would not exist without Stop, Hack, and Roll, and a lot of the creation of the game was done on Stop I Can Roll. Uh, <laughs> so there, there's a record then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The There is a record of when it was a very bad game that nobody should ever be forced to play. Uh, yeah. They're, they're, the first version of Pasión de los Pasiones was not fun or romantic or sexy or anything. It was... It, mm. w- it would be drudgery to play. I'm so glad I never playtested it. Uh, and the other thing I do is I run the Protean City Comics actual play podcast, which is a show about teenage superheroes, but using the Masks Engine, which is also published by Magpie Games. Awesome. Yeah, and that, that's a really fun system if anyone has is not familiar with it. Um, I've played it a couple times, and it does really yeah. cool things. I've, I've so. gone on record saying this before, but Masks is bar none my favorite game. Yeah, it's solid. Yeah. I like it a lot. We'd actually just, uh, we stole the Doom track for our uh, our Dungeon World hack for Tales from Thetis. Oh, awesome. So we're giving that a shot. We're playing with that. That's fantastic. I can't wait for Tales from Thetis. I need to play Dragon Age so that I yeah, can understand it. Yeah, you play a video game, Brandon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll just put that between writing the rest of Pasión de los Pasiones and publishing XOXO, my Gossip Girl game. Yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> uh, um, uh, cool. Yeah, so, and I'm so happy to be here. Yay! So, so this game, what? What is it? Not what. All right. No, yeah. What is it? Okay. Why is it? Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> how is it? How? How is it? No. It one of one of its its defining features is that it has no stats. Yes. Right. That's kind of that. That was like concept one, if I'm not mistaken, from the beginning. Was can I make a game with no stats? Well, what it actually here's how it went down. Um, yeah. I knew that I wanted to write a Powered by the Apocalypse game because I wanted to really understand how the whole thing worked. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I wanted to write a uh, Latinx game because I am myself Latino and I wanted to bring kind of some of the culture and some of the things that I know and some of the things that I really love into uh, the gaming atmosphere. 
And so telenovelas seemed like the obvious choice because uh, Powered by the Apocalypse games are so social and so involved in betrayal and revenge and all of those things. Mm-hmm. So I started writing it first, and it was a joyless, horrible game. And then I was listening to a little podcast you may have heard of called Modifier. Yay. And one of my gaming heroes, Andrew Medeiros, who wrote Urban Shadows, was on it. And he said yeah. that you couldn't write a Powered by the Apocalypse game without stats. <laughs> so I paused the game. I mean, I paused the podcast, <laughs> and I sat down at my computer, and I rewrote it without stats. And instead, what we use is a series of questions whenever you do the move. So when you're making a move, you have one question from your playbook, which is basically your are you on genre question, and then two questions related to that move. So for example, uh, if you're trying to express your love passionately, you ask, are you currently dressed to impress? And are you not known to be involved with somebody else? So if, yeah, you're looking great and no, you're not tied up in any relationships, you've got a plus two on that already. Uh, If not, you might be rolling a plus zero. (laughs) And so what all of the questions do is they're all aimed towards hitting the genre of telenovela, as well as providing some little slivers of verisimilitude where it makes sense. But the main thing is about just making the genre hit. Because, like, the question of, are you dressed to impress? You should probably be dressed to impress. This is a telenovela. Yeah. And so a lot of it is kind of just making sure that the players are doing the things that they need to be doing to make it feel kind of vibrant and punchy and everything like that. I went on a little. <laughs> yeah. That's no, okay. But you you actually, I want to come back around then to, to the genre of the yeah. game then, of telenovelas. What is a telenovela? A telenovela is a Latin American soap opera, and they are famous for being really big and really dramatic, and possibly more importantly, on being real cultural touchstones. Where soap operas in the United States are, you know, played at one o'clock, two o'clock, telenovelas are often played in prime time. And they get oh. millions and millions of, of watchers, and they're huge. There's a possibly apocryphal story of a telenovela writer that got trapped inside of a grocery store because there were people, like, more or less rioting outside because he'd made a character that was supposed to be all about purity and love have an affair. Oh, no. And so, like... He was apparently trapped inside of this grocery store for some time. I have had a hard time tracking down any proof of this, Mm-mm. but it's a story that kind of makes its circuits. <laughs> and like when when people from Latin American countries and Spanish-speaking role players have found this game, mm-hmm. they've asked me about different things that, like asking, is this built into the game or not? Mm-hmm. And they will be very specific cultural references. Like, things that it's like, yes, everyone knows that scene. Whereas, obviously, in the United States, most people wouldn't know a specific scene from a specific soap opera that aired 25 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And so with with the the primetime spot and stuff, it sounds like whereas soap operas in the States maybe are very like, oh, that's that's the thing that your mom watches or like Bored Housewife. Like it's it's really looked down on. Yeah. Telenovelas, does like everybody watch them? Like moms and dads and oh, that's cool. And that's actually something that is built into Pasión de las Pasiones because there's also an audience mechanic where if you're not in a scene portraying one of these big, beautiful lovers and fighters and everything, then you are a member of the audience uh, sitting at home watching and reacting to the action that's going on. Oh, that's cool. Thank you. <laughs> no, I, so, and there's, is there, let's see, so I played a while ago. Yeah, you played at um, Metatopia 2016. 16, I think, yeah, that sounds was, about right. Which was before I'd been picked up by Magpie. Um, yeah. And I'm probably going to go through some, well, I assume you've got some questions about process of the ash can and everything, so I'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, push glasses up. I knew, I knew Passion when. Oh, yeah. You're <laughs> yeah. super indie. <laughs> so cool. Um, You're indie within indie gaming. Yes. <laughs> Just launch me into the sun. Um, <laughs> the but the audience. got indie games there. <laughs> oh, God, they would. Um... 
the audience the audience mechanic though it, there's like an audience member for each playbook kind of or or is that there's an audience reaction for each playbook for, okay. so uh as in the idea is that you are anyone is playing any of the family members and so there's a family that is watching um mm-hmm. the way that it's currently written and like you know you could play with this some um, and there's probably gonna be some different play sets down the road but you've got mm-hmm. um You've got a mom, you've got an abuela, you have a teenage girl, you've got a little boy, you've got the dad that missed the previous episode, and all of them are <laughs> sitting down to watch the show. Oh um, I forgot that about the dad. It's perfect and I love it. <laughs> he was very busy that night. Um, <laughs> oh so each playbook has a reaction that they're looking for from the audience. So El Caballero, which is like uh, the gentleman cowboy... It, Caballero in... Spanish means gentleman, cowboy, and knight, somewhat interchangeably. Interesting. And so it's kind of a big, okay. <laughs> big archetype, but it's sort of like a a bad boy, suave sort of thing that is still honorable and just. It's it's the good guy, but like a little dangerous. Okay. And his reaction from the audience is when the teenage girl falls in love just a little bit. So perfect. Doing suave things. He's being, you know just sexy and you know all sorts of suave and uh someone just will like put their hand over their heart and just oh and that's what you're looking for and that's when you get that experience point right there i love it and it's anybody that's not in the scene can just do any of these audience reactions right yeah so that's cool you'll get moments where you'll have four or five people all just sign dramatically at the same time because everybody knows that that was a beautiful moment right there. <laughs> it makes for really rowdy, rambunctious tables, which yeah. was also something I was going for with this game. Okay, cool. That's that's exactly where I thought it would go. And yeah. and like our game, our game was big yeah. and rowdy. Um, we were getting a lot of glares from the tables around us. Yeah, that's hmm. That's a game they should put away somewhere. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, Although I. Do love the advertising. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So, so the the characters that you can play, the playbooks. What um, what have we got? All right. We have a different list from when you played it, actually. Oh, okay. Um, and I'm gonna try to do my best uh to not just translate the names, but say what the archetype is. Okay. Um, they all are in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Not the playbooks. The names of the playbooks. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, I don't. <laughs> English speakers can play this game, but. Well, I'm trying to avoid just translating. Like, la belleza technically means just the beauty. Mm-hmm. And so that has connotations in Spanish, that has connotations in English. Mm-hmm. And that's actually one that kind of ties in relatively nicely, but some of them are more complicated, like El Caballero. Uh, so just starting alphabetically from the top, and we'll see if I can go in order. Oh, I left out the biggest freaking point that I was trying to make there with the language. Uh, Spanish is a gendered language, mm. which makes it really difficult to make it gender neutral. So for example, a chair is not the chair. It is the female chair because chairs are female. And that is just true for every word. (laughs) And like, there's a lot of movement going on right now to start using X. So like you may have heard Latin X and it's more inclusive. It it includes men, women, non-binary, anything that anybody is they're included in it instead of having kind of terms that sort of just eliminate people from the conversation yeah and so that's what i want to have but it's so hard to have that happen grammatically yeah because there's terms that just you can't just put an x instead of an o or an a and have it work um so unfortunately the playbooks are gendered but Mm -hmm. you can play whatever gender or sexuality that you would like to within any of the playbooks Cool. Um, it's expected that you are totally allowed to do that. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to probably use the same gender as the title of the playbook, just because otherwise I'm going to trip over myself. But, you know, you can play whatever you want to play. So the playbooks. La Belleza is the beauty. Uh, she kind of controls the room with with just the power of her presence and has some mechanics for getting people interested in her and then shutting them down. Mm. Uh, she kind of like she works best by kind of cycling through people in that way. Uh, El Caballero is the cowboy gentleman <laughs> knight archetype thing I was talking about before. Uh, 
you might be the law, but you're here to right wrongs and you're going to handle things straight on and you're very beautiful. So, <laughs> um, and so it's kind of about sort of cutting through the bullshit that other people put down and really going for things. La Doña is kind of the matriarch. It's playing a role where you are one of the older characters in the game, but it's like telenovela old. So it's a, you know, a 30 year old playing a woman in her forties that talks constantly about how she's completely old and no one will ever look at her while being just extraordinarily gorgeous. Um, or a man for any of those as well. And what it's about is just using your manipulation and control over people to further your gains for somebody else mm. while also benefiting yourself. Oh, okay. So it's not um, completely altruistic. Oh, no. It's not at all altruistic. It's pretending <laughs> to be altruistic. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, that playbook has a couple of moves that play with flashbacks in pretty serious ways. Uh, El Jefe is the boss. If you think of sort of like El Generalissimo in any sort of uh, parody of telenovelas you've seen, it's the, he might be wearing like a military jacket and an eye patch, and he's very much like a physically imposing character. Mm -hmm. um, so where El Caballero is trying to solve things using direct approach, uh, El Jefe is trying to enrich himself and possess people around him through a direct approach. Mm, okay. Uh, La Empleada is the employee, and she has two lovers that she kind of bounces between. She's trying... She's This is, this is one of those places where the archetypes just are a little bit less present in non-telenovela media. Okay. Um, if you've watched Jane the Virgin... Jane is La Empleada. Okay, yeah, that's immediately what I thought. So Yeah, you're 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 definitely less wealthy, often less like often described as less attractive while still being just ridiculously attractive. Mm -hmm. Um you're going after lovers that are supposedly way out of your league and just trying to like break into this place that you don't really belong in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she has a mechanic that basically incentivizes hopping between two lovers okay. uh, in order to kind of like do those storylines. And the last one that's in this... Oh, no, there's two last ones. I'm sorry. Uh, El Gemelo is the twin. Mm -hmm. And you are the twin of another player character. <laughs> and it's about using the reputation and things that your twin has in order to get things for yourself. It's not technically an evil twin. <laughs> it frequently is. Um, yeah. Yeah, it tends to play as an evil twin. But just as much as any of these characters is a legitimate human portrayal of something, they mm -hmm. can have greed and care and all of those things as well. And now the last one is El Vivador. Uh, nope, El Vivador isn't in this one. Oh my gosh, I keep forgetting. Oh. I've written another playbook that isn't yeah. currently released. Um, I'm still playing with it. Yeah, so this is breaking news. Uh, El Vivador is like the playboy. And Ooh. so it's about being kind of rich and not caring about things and secretly having a a heart that is just desiring so badly to be loved. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> and so all of them are like these big tropey sorts of characters that all just are pushed together and push against each other and everything like that. Nice. It, and the twin is, like, that can be off of any of the other playbooks, right? Oh, yeah. You can be the twin of La Empleada. You can be the twin of El Jefe, the twin of La Doña, whatever you'd like to be. And it basically sets you up to take advantage of their reputation and get involved with the people that they're involved with and have love triangles. It, it, nice. It's a, it's a pretty fun one, I gotta say. Yeah. Through, through your playtesting, have you seen, are, are there playbooks that are more or less often chosen for the, the twin to play off of? Or do they kind of, uh, or they, they get kind of even coverage? I don't have like hard data on this. Yeah. But the two that I see coming up the most often are El Caballero mm -hmm. and La Empleada. Mm, yeah. Because then you've really got, like both of those really read from a surface look as mm -hmm. the good guys. Mm. And so playing El Jamelo, I think a lot of people want to do that evil twin thing and give a little cackle. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, with the the employee you can mess up her love triangle. Exactly. <laughs> but there's been there's been a couple of really fun jefes and a really there was a really great uh, Doña twin. They mm. were just like these two sisters that just ran everything. It was amazing. Oh, oh that's so good. It was so good. It was so good. I want to watch all of these shows. Oh, oh seriously, me too. So I have a couple questions about the playbooks uh, that are listener questions. Once again, Richard Kreutzlandry came through on Twitter with so many good questions. So um, Richard is just the center of role-playing game podcasts. Richard is so good. He's wonderful. I, I love that guy so much. Thank you, Richard. We love you. Sorry to get sappy. <laughs> I just had to profess my love passionately. No, he's he's a good good dude. Yeah, definitely. Like, uh, consistently asking good questions and just yeah, you're right. Is is the center of absolutely all this goodness. So he had some good questions about these playbooks right. that I'm also curious about. Uh, one of them was, uh, were or are there playbooks? Oh, playbooks. So the the titles, I guess, the names of them, or moves whose names defied translation. And you just went through the names. Yeah, pretty pretty easily. I feel like oh, explaining what they Caballero, were. man, that's a weird one. <laughs> um, I think that that is maybe the one that's been hardest. Uh, what what I'm going to be doing, the Ashcan version has most of the move names in English. The final version mm-hmm. is going to have the move names in Spanish. Mm. I did. I didn't want to spend an enormous amount of time for the Ashcan figuring out exactly what the best snappiest translations would be. It's always fun for moves to have snappy names. Yeah. But I want to kind of retain that feel of uh, Latinidad by having the Spanish names for the different things. Mm-hmm. I think really the the biggest thing in terms of having a hard time explaining how what something is, is either La Empleada, that I think is the first one that the trope isn't super obvious how it's going to fall. Mm-hmm. And also El Caballero, just because I was like, even in the writing, as it was getting edited, I got messages that were like, hey, you translated El Caballero as gentleman here three times and as cowboy here two times. Um, <laughs> you, you want to take a look at that? <laughs> yeah. Yes, he's all of them. Yeah, but like, you know... Yeah. You gotta choose some things to say. Oh, yeah. You can't just use it haphazardly. <laughs> People will be confused and think there's two playbooks that are El Caballero, yeah. one of which is a cowboy and one is a gentleman. <laughs> yeah, there's really not a good term. Yeah, hmm. I've tossed around just like gentleman cowboy. <laughs> yeah. I've played with like lawman, but that isn't really it because you don't have to be a lawman. Yeah. It's just it's a just a caballero. That's just what it is. <sighs> yeah, man, this is I'm going to be thinking about this for a while cuz cuz I know exactly who that character is. Like it's no. not that we don't have that in English media. We no. just I don't know what we call it. Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Hugh Jackman. Yeah, just... it's it's the Jackman. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um except uh, I'm going to say something that may anger some of your fans. Uh-oh but kind of classier and suaver than Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Hugh. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah, that's true. He can only do so much. Yeah. So. And mad props to Hugh Jackman. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> we lost the lead. Where are we at? Yep. What was I doing? <laughs> Not thinking about Hugh Jackman. Let's go. Um, <laughs> oh, related. Uh, is it the sexiest cover of an RPG on your bookshelf? Uh Yes. Hands down, definitely. <laughs> I would argue that it's the sexiest RPG cover I've seen. Mm-hmm. I've seen some supplements with more naked people than yeah. what is on this, definitely. But, but I but think that not. there's a, yeah, there's like a sensuality to the cover of this one. Mm-hmm. Oh, funny story with the cover, actually. Yes. I Because I, I did this with Magpie, and I was talking with Magpie through it, and... They asked me, what are you kind of envisioning for the cover? And I was like, oh, I don't know. It's like, you know, it's kind of like in a lot of ways, it's kind of a game that's about family and experience. So maybe like maybe like the, the couch with the family on it, something like that. I'm not really sure. I definitely, definitely want it to be like a family that's like 
character people on it that are that are visibly latino just because i feel like that's like an important part of it mm-hmm. and they were like yeah okay great and maybe three weeks later they sent me the cover like all made up with all of the the text on it and everything and it is two mostly naked people with like a sheet down across them and just like staring sultry eyed at the at the camera mm-hmm. and i was like yeah that's what i meant <laughs> Yep. When I said all that stuff about the couch and stuff, what I meant was this. Uh-huh. This is much better. Well, yeah, I, I meant softcore. That's absolutely, yes, you got it. Yeah, so- <laughs> yeah I said Latino family. I meant yeah. Latino couple. Uh-huh. <laughs> Naked. Yeah. Oh, good for them. <laughs> yeah, they, they, it is much better. I am so glad that they just took that and were like, nope, we're not doing that. That's dumb. <laughs> It's it's good to have that outside help. Absolutely. Uh, going back to to the Latinx representation, um, yeah. one of the other listener questions was from Nora, neither Nora on Twitter. That I think, oh hi Nora. Yeah, I think you know Nora. <laughs> I do. Nora's awesome. Yeah. Um, Nora wrote an awesome game for the two hundred eighty character RPG contest. Oh yeah. It's so good. Man, I'm sorry. I'm, that was- you know, it's like way off. Just you, you can't name people without me going like, "Oh my gosh, I love that person." I'm <laughs> gonna try to thing? stop now. Yeah, no, that's fine. This, that's what's so good about our community, though, is everybody loves everybody in our in our fantastic little bubble. Yeah, I'm absolutely. a fan of it. So me too. <laughs> so Nora asked, uh, "How do you feel about people hacking your work, knowing that that the derivations produced will likely not retain the same ties to Latinx people and culture?" So yeah, like like what. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm that's it. That was that's an interesting question. It's not really something I thought about before, which is partially me not really thinking about the fact that people might hack this game. Uh, but it, it is doing some kind of weird stuff, so there might be some people that are drawn to it. Mm-hmm. In my mind, what is important in terms of representation is having the availability. I don't think that there's anything in the mechanics that I've put together in terms of like using questions or having audience response that is inherently Latinx in a way that it would be appropriative to take it. Um, it, it, it isn't like you could ask, uh, like the, the source of the asking questions was me going, uh, is this something you're good at? Plus one or plus zero is, are you equipped for this? Plus one plus zero. Is there a, a possible thing to help you in the environment plus one plus zero mm-hmm. and there's nothing in that that is inherently latinx so yeah i think it's great and fine as far as i'm concerned for people to make great stuff like yeah. if i found a game that was about uh subjugation of uh of indigenous peoples in the latin americas that used my rules <laughs> i'd probably be a little pissed about that but you know what? I'd be yeah. pissed about that game anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, again, in this referring to like, I, I, if that, like, if it was making it like a heroicized thing, mm-hmm. uh, because there's tons of games about the subjugation of indigenous peoples that are really just fantastic and incredible experiences for helping to get some understanding from people or to live out some some sliver of hope within that i'm getting way off track <laughs> no that's I'm, okay. I'm distracted i'm distracted because i'm distracted and like talking in circles because i'm just thinking about nahual which is mm-hmm. by miguel espinoza and also coming out through magpie games uh which is just this phenomenal game about fighting off colonial oppression through these just incredible spirit entity things against angels it's it's so good but mm-hmm. because I but I don't I was kind of struggling to express, hey, that's awesome. Um a game where you are Cortez trying to destroy people is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Nahual doesn't take my doesn't take my rules that Miguel has phenomenal yeah. stuff that he's made entirely on his own without <laughs> me. I don't know why I'm getting so distracted. I I don't know though. That's fine. I'm not familiar with that one, but I'm gonna have to look it up. Oh, it's so good. I think I'm feeling awkward saying that, yes, I'm okay with people taking my game and making it not at all Latinx because I'm worried that that will in some way sound bad. Mm. Uh, Like in some way I'm like betraying something, but I don't think I am. I think that it is important for people to be able to create art 
with whatever tools they have at their disposals. And so I hope that people take whatever parts of this game they like mm -hmm. and use them and trash anything they don't. Cool. Yeah, I, I don't want to put words in Nora's question or anything like that. No, 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 I, not I at all. If me personally, just reading it uh, makes me think like, okay, so what if somebody plays your game and goes, all right, I'm going to make a skin that's what, like Days of Our Lives or something that's like yeah. soap opera, super white soap opera. That's what I'm going to play. And, oh, and like, yeah, that's yeah. And, and you know what? That's fine. You just won't get the support that I put into my game. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think that there are parts of the game and parts of the playbooks that are inherently Latinx. And so if someone wants to take it and rewrite it, rewrite it. <laughs> nice. Freudian slip there. Uh, rewrite it to not be about Latin soap operas. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no skin off my back. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, like, the family I'm, mechanic doesn't really work. But then also, I mean, if that's the media that you know, maybe yeah. there's a game there. I don't know. But Hell yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. the, the thing I'm writing after this is is Gossip Girl. That's a bit oh. of a, a switch from Passion in a lot of ways. Yeah. But in other ways, keeping that kind of that same thread of TV and romance and betrayal mm -hmm. and everything like that, because I'm into that kind of stuff. Hey, you know, cool. Thank you for that question, Nora. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like I babbled on that one. No, feel free cool. to cut it down to make me say, like, something slick. Yeah. No, you're fine. This is... <laughs> So in in the same vein, then, yeah. one of Richard's questions was, uh, do or did you have any concern about the game's portrayal of Latinx characters, positive or negative? I think one thing that I really want to do is make sure that the game doesn't inherently lead people towards stereotype, mm. which is a difficult thing to do while also maintaining the playbooks as big tropes, um, because you see a lot of characters now starting to come into American media that are just similar enough to the telenovela tropes that they're recognizable. Mm -hmm. But also some of those are built on stereotypes in really negative ways. And obviously I don't want to do that. Lime Playada is like a really complicated one because of that, because there is this stereotype of, uh, of Latinos that are just working class or that uh, don't have power or don't have education to go against people around them. Mm -hmm. And needless to say, that's not something that I want to push that stereotype. And yeah. part of what I'm doing to try to avoid that is in a lot of these PBTA games, you'll see ethnicity as a choice that you choose on the page. Mm, yeah. In Pasión de las Pasiones, it is not a choice. It's not listed because you are all playing Latinx characters. Cool. And... I might do more in the future to try to make it more inclusive of of Afro-Latinos, because I feel like I didn't do enough to make that clear in the book. And I think, honestly, uh, the Latinx community as a whole doesn't do enough to reach out to Afro-Latino people. Yeah. But really, at the table, I feel like I haven't seen any of that. And that might be because I'm playing with people that they're sitting down with me and they're, you know, playing in good faith and stuff. And I'm sure there will be people that will play this game and put on Speedy Gonzalez voices. Uh, and actually, there there was one player that put on a Speedy Gonzalez voice. Uh, and I, pr I probably should have kicked him off of the table, mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't do that. And that's actually kind of like a GMing regret that I have mm. uh, because that's obviously not... not cool that's not okay yeah uh like i'm i'm talking uh saying andale andale like full-on oh boy dream speedy gonzalez thing going on and so anytime you bring people into a piece of art that's connected to a culture there are going to be people that view it and use it in appropriative or negative ways yeah uh but i can't control that i'm not at their table so I'm just trying to make sure that the game itself plays well around itself. And I'm giving full permission for uh, every Latinx player to just slap someone if they're being Speedy Gonzalez. <laughs> uh, then, then, then direct, yeah. direct permission given from me to you 
you you technically can't be prosecuted for that in any way in any court because I gave you that permission. I'm not a lawyer, <laughs> but I'm relatively certain that's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's true. It's fine. Yeah. But yeah, that was awkward and terrible, but that was like yes. one experience. And everybody else has been just phenomenal. And like some people uh, I've heard like a little bit of like tentatively trying the act, like trying a little bit of an accent, but mm-hmm. I think not, not in any sort of like an offensive way, um, but in the same way that like, you know, if you're playing a fantasy adventure, you might put a little bit of a voice or a little bit of an accent. But a lot of what mm-hmm. people are doing is just kind of putting that passionate way of speaking more than anything else. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'll, I'll admit, I sometimes slip into some accent because when I am speaking English, I don't have an enormous amount of an accent. But when I am speaking Spanish, I have much more of it. So sure. when I'm, if I am playing the game and running the game and speaking Spanish, uh, then I, I code switch real hard on it. Yeah. Uh, which I think has also maybe given some people a little bit of permission to go, okay, let me try this. Let me... Let me feel like I'm let me try to feel like I'm really a part of this media. Um and I'm sure some people would I'm sure some people wouldn't like that. I I personally don't have any issue with it. But sure. uh I know that I also come from a position of a lot of privilege that I have never been in a negative situation because of my accent. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think there there's all these questions about safety and things that are very important and and really need to be looked at and and it can't be fully policed from the book. And so I'm just going to do sure. the best that I can and hope that people play in good faith. And like, you know, there's a there's a bunch of people that I've been seeing talking about it in kind of the Spanish role-playing game community. And you know what? I'm super freaking pumped about that because <laughs> uh, this game is for everybody and I want to get everybody in, but it's a little extra for Latinx people. <laughs> yeah. So it's it sounds like that's it's going to come down to who you're playing with too, like yeah, I mean, and who's running it for you, what, what they're comfortable with, what level of 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 accent or uh yeah of, of performance, yeah. what level of performance they're okay with. I mean, being real, you sit down at at a lot of D and D tables, and you could hear an orc that comes in with a Mexican accent or a, a Cuban accent or or anything like that, just as easily like mm-hmm. there are i have been at a game store and like just been looking around at stuff and heard somebody putting on like a really pretty offensive accent and i was kind of like what game are they playing and i kind of mm-hmm. you know sidled my way over there and it was a goblin merchant that was talking that way because they wanted to portray them as being sleazy and untrustworthy great 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 and, like great, that great. sucks but <laughs> There's nothing yeah. that anyone can do that isn't at that table to prevent that shit yeah. from happening. Sorry, I swore. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't help myself that time. No, that's fine. We there are swears in this in this podcast. I know. I'm just used to to being family friendly on the other one. <laughs> we haven't sworn on Stop Back and Roll. Have you not? There's one episode with swearing in it. Um huh. uh John Adamus, uh, who is oh, well, wonderful yeah. and incredible and the author of Noir World that <laughs> Passion got a lot of, lot and lots and lots of stuff from, uh, he cannot be stopped. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, he can be dialed down a little, but. <laughs> yeah, and I think he did dial down for us. <laughs> oh, oh, John. <laughs> Cut this. This is inside baseball. <laughs> no, yeah, no, nobody gets <laughs> I love John. Me too. Um, He's so great. I should just make a podcast that's Brandon talks about people in the indie gaming (laughs) field. (laughs) Spoiler, everyone is great. (laughs) Today's episode is... So kind of related then, um, one of the questions we got was, are you going to be doing a translation? And I assume they mean in Spanish. Uh, We're going to be translating it into Mandarin Chinese. Um, Cut that, that was dumb. (laughs) That was a very (laughs) stupid joke. Um, yeah, I mean, I got pumped for a second. Shit, Brandon. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Hell yeah, Magpie. <laughs> My hope is yes. I know that uh, Miguel Espinosa, who did Pasión's layout and uh, wrote Nahual and is just a generally amazing dude, has plans to try to translate at very least the playbooks. I haven't gotten into a lot of talks 
with Magpie about exactly how we would handle a translation or how the publication of that would go or anything like that. But my goal is to be a crossover hit. You know, gotta have that. And uh, there are definitely people that are asking for a Spanish translation. And though I feel like it would be kind of crappy to not try to make that happen. Uh, I know that I could not write a Spanish version. My Spanish is not nearly good enough for me to write a role-playing game in Spanish or translate a role-playing game into Spanish. I could maybe translate one into English from Spanish, but I'd probably lose a lot in it. So having someone like Miguel who uh, lives in Mexico and speaks impeccable English and impeccable Spanish uh, is just a, a phenomenal sort of resource that I that I have in part because Magpie's awesome. Cool. Well, yeah, I, ho- I hope that works out. And, I hope and so you too. know, that that's a totally tangible goal for your first game. Just be a crossover hit, you know. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, you know, just kind of be renowned in both languages. That's that, yeah. that's the only goal. <laughs> you know. Yeah, some people Jeez. are like I'm writing I'm writing games for myself or I'm writing games for this community. I'm like I'm writing games because I want to be the Ricky Martin of role playing games. <laughs> Oh, perfect. Put that on your tombstone. (laughs) Cool. So we have talked about Magpie a lot. Yeah. And this is uh, one of the things that I I really wanted to talk about is this is your first game and it is being published by like a place. Magpie publishes games. Yeah, they they publish pretty big indie games. Um, A lot of the big PBTA games that have come out recently are just from magpie my my list of like my favorite games mm-hmm. and my list of games produced by magpie games are almost a one for one list <laughs> yeah it's like it's really this is this has been a dream come true in a lot of ways that's cool how did that happen not that you don't deserve it of course just no yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, i'm super curious. let's make like, it clear you... i don't <laughs> no you do you absolutely do this is, this is a good game brandon like how, how does that how how <laughs> so i had basically brought pasión de las pasiones to metatopia 2016 mm-hmm. with the goal of deciding whether it was worthwhile to publish it for pay what you want or 5 bucks or for free online or whether it should just go in a scrap heap okay um that's about how much confidence i had in the game going in and my my partner james and my my wife both were asking me questions like, what's the worst that could happen going in with this game? What would be the most stressful situation going into this game? And I said, the most stressful situation would be going into my high test, which is my first test at Metatopia that's all game designers, <laughs> and having Mark Diaz-Truman sitting at my table. <laughs> uh, and Avanel Wing, who runs Metatopia had been pushing me and like tr- kind of like kind of like trying to help get my name out there in some ways. And I think that she was partially responsible for my greatest nightmare coming true <laughs> and Mark Diaz Truman being at my first playtest of the game ever. I uh, think that's her superpower. <laughs> I think it is. Um, and so, like, when I talk about how important Metatopia is as a convention for the game-making space, this is part of the reason for that, is its incredible ability to bring people together that can work on a product really well. So Mark played in my very first game and afterwards said, hey, here's my phone number. Text me because I want to meet with you. And basically there was like, hey, do you want to make this game with Magpie Games? And so that already was ridiculous Mm -hmm. because... I, I can't even express how exciting that was. We we had a great session playing, and I just felt like just the, the king of the world going through the rest of the con. From there, uh, Mark got me in touch with a mentor and set me up. He, he did like a big presentation to the Ashcan crew that we're all doing things. And uh, I was set up to work with Brendan Conway, who is the author of Masks. I think I mentioned earlier that Masks is my favorite game. <laughs> Yeah, no big deal. Yeah, no big deal. So just uh, my probably two biggest gaming heroes have been involved with this game. So that's just been ridiculously wild. Um, And so then Brendan and I just started meeting online every week and just worked through it to get it to a point that it is the Ashcan, that it is 
playable, that it is enjoyable, the moves work hopefully well. And he really pushed me hard to to take the things that were already kind of new, exciting ideas and take them a step forward and take the stuff that wasn't new, exciting ideas and really question it and try to make it new and exciting ideas. Mm. So like I initially had a, I initially didn't have a move for lying because I felt that lying happens too much in telenovelas for it to be a move. And during the playtest, everyone told me, you need a move for lying. And working with Brendan, we came up with the idea that instead of that, you need a move for accusing someone of lying. And Ooh. just made this up. Like, I, like, it changed the game entirely. Because it made the possibility of just accusing people of lying when they weren't lying, and then that now being the truth, because you rolled well enough for that to be the truth. <laughs> and so the entire game just gets pulled into this meta narrative where the no one knows what's really true because at any moment something could suddenly become false and like you can flash back to make it so that something that was said earlier didn't actually happen it's just like working with Brendan has been a dream oh and that's awesome yeah and so basically they told me like hey let's let's work through this let's get this out from metatopia if we can and mm-hmm. a year after bringing my should this go up for free or should this be in a garbage can game, <laughs> I went in with a published ash can. Yeah. yeah so wild. So, that's that that is that is wild. And I so I, I have your ash can. Oh. And I'm I'm holding it. I see it. I know what it is. But like looking what? at that sexy cover. <laughs> yeah, right? It just it's just been sitting here watching me this whole episode. I'm a little <laughs> thrown off. Um no, so 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 for folks who may not know, what what is an ash can then? Like, what do you have to have in it? So an ash can is kind of like a demo version, um, in terms of video games. I've said that to some people, and they've been like, "No, no, no, that's not what an ash can is." Blah blah blah. But I I legitimately think it's a demo. It is mm-hmm. um part of the game that is available before the game is finished, and probably everything from the ash can will end up in the final version but stuff will also be changed. So the Ashcan came out with six playbooks in it. And my final version is going to have more than that. So like El Vivador that I was mm-hmm. talking about before isn't in the Ashcan. Uh, he will be in the final copy. Um, La Pirata, the pirate, isn't in the Ashcan, but will be in the final copy. Um, there's a lot more pirates in telenovelas than people would expect. Uh, but that's an aside. <laughs> so what an Ashcan is, is it's about... Mine, I think, is about 50 pages, Mm -hmm. and it has the rules that you need to sit down and play the game. It doesn't have an enormous amount of support for people that don't know how to play PBTA games, because the assumption is that if you've bought the Ashcan, you probably know other indie games as well. It also makes it clear that it is not the final version. (laughs) Yeah. And it has, it basically has what you need to sit down with your gaming group and play the game. And see if the game is for you, and see if the game interests you, and also, it's very secretly a way for lots and lots and lots of people to be able to test the game, because I can't test the game as much as everyone who bought the Ashcan can test the game. Mm, sneaky. Yeah, exactly. So like, people are sending me messages that are like, "Hey, this worked in the this we we ran this game. This was really good. This is the story that happened. This didn't work." And then I can go, okay, great, and write that down. So in the final version, if enough people are telling me that, I know it needs to be changed. Mm, Okay. Obviously, that doesn't get rid of playtesting the game on my own. For sure. But there are things that will happen that will never happen at my table because I understand what I meant when I wrote the thing. Right. So like, there are things that have come up that are brought up as like, why, why does this work like this? It doesn't really work. And I'm like, oh... It's because I didn't fully explain how that works. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there's going to be uh, a process of building. But I've heard from a good amount of people now that they have run the game and had just a delightful time, which is what the Ashcan is for. You know, it's to play the game, try it out, experience it, and also get on kind of that ground level of playtesters. Oh my gosh, Pippin's going crazy. Give me just one yeah. second. <laughs> That's okay. He put his toy covered with peanut butter underneath my chair. Good. Perfect. I couldn't reach it. Yeah. You know. So the Ashcan is, like you said, it's a demo. So it's, it is, it's an unfinished version of 
of your game is that yeah. terrifying to put out there yes <laughs> yes so much oh my god yeah. especially because because it isn't free um and like mm. it's it's inexpensive i yeah. think um it's i think it's 10 bucks mm-hmm. and so if you you know if you buy it and you get 5 hours of entertainment out of it then you paid 2 bucks per hour for that if you had a group of five people, you paid what, like forty cents an hour mm-hmm. for each person. It's not too bad. Role playing games are the cheapest form of entertainment, as far as I can tell. Yeah, but it is terrifying knowing that people are like going through and reading over the same thing that isn't it isn't solidified. Um, there are things that I look through it and I go, oh my gosh, I wish this mechanic was in the Ashcan because. It's only been a couple of months, but I'm still working on it. So there's new mechanics that are, I think, very cool that I'd love people to be testing that just won't be in the ash can yet. Yeah. And so my hope is that we're going to be able to update the playbooks and stuff like that and like make it that kind of thing available. But like, th- there's a new mechanic that I'm playing with that is completely new and has no section anywhere in the entire book. And I want people to be able to play with it, but uh, I haven't, it just isn't released. It isn't in there. So yeah. it's wildly terrifying, especially because I get messages from people that, like, I kind of know and, like, really like and respect and I want them to like my thing. And it's just, yep, it's just in someone else's hands now. And I know it's not done. <laughs> oh. Oh, that's stressful. Yeah, i i got a I got a message from uh from Senda of uh of she's a super geek that she was mm-hmm. like, "Hey, I got this game," and I was like, "Okay, please don't play it on the show yet. It's not done. Oh my god." Yeah. <laughs> I think she's. I think I've convinced her to wait. Oh, okay, yeah, she has cool. played it though, and uh, it sounds yeah. like they had a good time. They they hit. It sounds like they hit maybe a couple of the problems that a couple of other people have said. If, okay, if you have the ash can and are looking to play, you need to have one change that's kind of like the quickest and easiest blanket change I can think of, is before you play, before you hit the ground, once you've done all the relationships, everybody closes their eyes and points a finger at two other people. And then everybody opens their eyes, and you have one leverage over each of those people. Mm. And that tiny little change is not what's going to be the final system, but it's a little quick change that will make the first session run better. Oh, cool. So yeah, little little hack. <laughs> and the final version will be more elegant and probably will not involve closing your eyes and pointing at people. But this will kind of cover that ground for now. Nice. Inside tips. Yeah. Cool. Oh, speaking of the first session thing, uh, one of the questions that we had was, it was um, Alice on Twitter, Magical Girl Kira. Uh, she says, I forget the exact wording, but I recall Brandon saying a typical masks campaign peaks around 12 sessions. Mm. Uh, and they ask, where do you feel the peak is for a campaign of passion? Uh, was this an intentional part of the game or something that arose from other aspects of the design? So that's a big question. Uh, in terms of like an actual play session, two hours is pretty tight. Uh, I've done that at Metatopia. Uh, I think two hours is pretty tight if you include character creation. Character creation takes a while, but if you keep things really punchy and you really like stay on that accelerator, you can theoretically do it. I would recommend first session, try to kick it in the four to five hour range. And then after that, maybe two to four hours in terms of like just comfort level for me that that for me is what would make the game run easiest um in terms of campaign length that's kind of a big upside down question mark right now um because i don't i'm not 100 percent sold yet on the idea of campaigns being sequential episodes Ooh, okay yeah because the idea with passion is that you are dropping in later than the 100th episode so a lot of stuff has already happened mm. for you to be able to flash back to. So if you do episode 115 in your first session, your next session could be episode 116. And it could be that you're doing the, whatever it is, eight sessions until the end of the series where everything is over forever. Or it could be you do 100 and then you jump forward to 170. And my hope <laughs> is that there will be systems for both of those in the final version. Okay. If one ends up working much better than the other then I'll probably publish the alternative version as an alternative version, maybe a stretch goal or something. But I'm not really sure. 
I think that you can tell a compelling story in a single one shot. You'll be left with a lot of questions because the character creation is designed to make a lot of questions and a lot of hooks. But uh, you can finish an episode and end on a cliffhanger and have that be your one shot. Or I guess you could go through and play to the end of a story. I think both of those could be interesting. And the advancement system is one of the things that is not very polished in this Ashcan version. Uh, because Ashcans lots of times don't aim to do full campaigns. They kind of aim to do one shot, two shot, three shot, and then, you know, all right, we're about done with this because we've hit the end of our content. Okay. I don't know if that answered the question at all. I think so. Alice almost played Pasión de las Pasiones with me <laughs> at Metatopia. Oh, really? Yeah, we were doing a midnight showing. And just did not have the energy to keep going after character creation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you had some games that went, like, pretty late. I did a couple of Pasión de las Pasiones After Dark, where the oh. promise was playing Pasión de las Pasiones, but going even a little sexier. Oh, boy. All right. So <laughs> there were a couple other questions that we had on Twitter, but um, there we can, we can answer those on the internet, because I... We'll want to know about some of your playtests. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can close out on uh, on playtest stories. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just in general very curious because I haven't played it in over a year. Yeah. Uh, and it is a slightly different game now. It is. And well, you were you were playing a playbook that is no longer a core playbook. Yeah. And might not be a core playbook. I think it will be a stretch goal playbook. Okay. Because uh, you played La Abuela. Mm-hmm. Which which I like that character. Me too. But that is a difficult playbook. Yeah, it's tough to play La Abuela when everybody else is running around going like, hey, I'm way over-sexualized. Mm-hmm. It's tough to be the one who's like, oh, am I going to be involved in anything amorous or am I kind of taking a back seat? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm working on that. It's in production. It isn't It isn't fun yet. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And I, I feel like, like we mentioned Jane the Virgin earlier being yeah. a telenovela that, that heroes may actually be familiar with. Um, I think they struggle with, with that, with that, the Abuela character in there too. Yeah, I like, think so. The kind of the most compelling sorts of stories, I think, tend to be really centered on Jane, La Empleada, mm -hmm. uh, Michael and Rafael, El Caballero and El Vivador, respectively, and mm -hmm. Petra La Beza. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to say any more because there's other spoilers. There's other playbooks that I can put yeah. in, but you know. Oh, yeah. It's so good. Watch the show. It's very oh good. Yeah. Um, oh, no, but Richard had a, or, oh, no, it was Taylor. Taylor was Leviathan Files. Oh. So Riverhouse Games. A good, Taylor's good, good, good Taylor. Amazing. Yeah. We love Taylor too. Was asking what's the most dramatic thing to happen in your playtests and what lessons did you learn from it? So, so yeah, we can, we can take this in an educational route. Okay. So, we had kind of the, the most wild thing that has happened was characters, two characters establishing in a flashback that mm -hmm. they had been involved in a menage a trois with a third NPC that was then in a coma. Um, <laughs> but that was handled primarily in a flashback. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't like super dramatic. It was just... Uh, us earning our Pasión de las Pasiones After Dark rating. Mm -hmm. um, most dramatic yeah. thing that has happened. Oh, a, a game that Taylor was in, actually. I believe someone fell out of a window Ooh. and and died in a Miranda. Um, there have been... there. Oh, man. There was one game... This may have been the game you were in that someone gathered some, like, some thugs and, like attacked a wedding party inside of a mansion and like we oh. ended with with el jefe and la pirata uh holding guns at each other and like having yes. a bang and then ending the session there that may have been your session i think so i think that was ours um oh my god yeah uh oh we we had um oh this is this was one of my favorite moments in any game i've played El Caballero had gone into El Jefe's casino and just uh, like fought off his guards and was was battling with them and then just like hurt El Jefe, like hit him hard in the face uh, only to turn and see that La Empleada, the woman that he loves, was watching him and seeing what a brute and a savage that he truly is. Oh, no. That was so good. Oh, no. I don't know if I learned any lessons. I think... <laughs> 
I think the lessons that I've truly learned are that the game works best when people angle towards romance and they just Mm -hmm. accept that everyone is going to be romantically involved with everybody else and they push that betrayal and jealousy and romance angle. Gotcha. Well, cool then. I think the cover then is absolutely setting people up to do that. I hope so. (laughs) Cool. And I know that we don't have dates yet, but... um... Not yet kickstarter eventually as i understand it it will be 2019 Mm -hmm. but i could be wrong i know that magpie i mean magpie publishes lots of books as i understand it they try to publish two books a year and i think that the two books that are up for publication this year are already on the docket cool which are uh cartel and velvet glove both of which I'm so excited for. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Velvet Glove has been out in Ashcan for a while yeah. now. And Cartel has an Ashcan out cool. as well. And a quick start that's nice. phenomenal. Um, and if I can just like say like right now, hey, the fact that I'm talking about Cartel, Pasión de las Pasiones, and Nahual all at the same time is just blowing my mind. Because three years ago, I could not have told you a Latinx game period. Yeah. And so it's really exciting to kind of be able to be sort of the little fish that's being dragged along in this stream of (laughs) uh, games that uh, honor Latinidad. Brandon, that's really cool. I'm very excited. I'm I'm excited. Is there anything else that we should know? Uh, If you have, if you do play Pasión de las Pasiones, definitely hit me up and let me know how it went. Let me know if there's any problems you came up against. I think I'm going to be at Dreamation. I don't know when this episode comes out. It might be too late, actually. The end of January, probably. Oh, okay. So, so slightly before. Yeah, I think I'll be there. I'm figuring out some logistics still. But while I'm there, I intend to run the game. I think that Magpie will be selling the game at the uh, at the indie game booth thing, and I know you can okay. get the Ashcan on drive-through. Cool. Um, you can also order a physical copy, but I think that they're currently. I think Magpie is currently sold out of the physical copies that they had. So hopefully there will be more of those. Maybe even more of those by the time this episode drops. I'm not honestly sure. Yeah. One thing that Magpie's done yeah. a very good job of is protecting me from having to know any of the business side of things, which is exactly <laughs> what I was going for. <laughs> That's very nice yeah, of them. The, all the business stuff is above my head. I, I appreciate the insights that you do have on this whole process because I know like it's it's a it's a scary thing like it's daunting going into like getting a game published like no nobody's prepared for that I feel like it's wild and like it's a process that can take forever and take years and years and years and there's nothing wrong with having a game that takes years and years and years and years and also it's a process that can suddenly happen very quickly and there's nothing wrong with having the process take either of those routes but it's Mm -hmm. wild to create and have things kind of move so fast yeah well brandon yes brandon where can we find you on the internet you and your game if you'd like to contact me you can find me mostly on twitter at dr captain cobalt or you can find me on g plus i'm trying to be more active there but i'm not very good at it there's a Pasión de las Pasiones community there. Um, if you're interested in my podcasts, they are Stop, Hack, and Roll, which is at Stop, Hack, and Roll on Twitter, and Protean City Comics, which is at Protean City, which are both also available wherever you get your podcasts from. If you're here for the meat of things, then uh, you're trying to get Pasión de las Pasiones, which is on RPG with a big long URL that I'm not even going to bother with and available for hopefully able to get the physical copy uh, at magpiegames.com slash our dash games slash ashcans. Or you can search for Pasión de las Pasiones on magpiegames.com. Awesome. Thank you. And I will put all of those links in the show notes so that people don't have to spell. Fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And thank you. This has been very cool and very informative. It's been so great coming on, Meg. I've, I miss talking with you and having this little opportunity to do so is awesome. Although I need to talk to you again to know more about what's going on with your life and what's going on with Tales from Thetas and everything like that. Yeah. It's top secret. <laughs> it's, all, it's all very, very secret. It's, need to know. It's eventually. Yeah. Things happening. Yeah. yeah. I'm in charge here. 
Thanks again to Brandon for being on the show and sharing his experiences bringing this game to life. All his links are in the show notes, and he's very chatty on Twitter if you want to ask him any other good questions about this stuff. And also, thank you all for the questions you asked beforehand. I hope we got to most of them. We are distractible. I'm sorry. That's it for this week, heroes. You can find Modifier mostly on Twitter at Modifier Podcast. We also have a Tumblr, Facebook, and G+, with varying levels of upkeep success, all under the same Modifier Podcast name. You can email me directly with questions, comments, or show suggestions at modifierpodcast at gmail.com. Modifier is a proud member of the OneShot Podcast Network, an incredible family of RPG podcasts that include shows like OneShot, Campaign, Backstory, Adventure, Neoscum, System Mastery, and Talking Tabletop. Backstory is an ongoing series of interviews with some of the most compelling voices in the RPG and LARP community. Designers, organizers, scholars, and other fascinating folks join your host, Alex Roberts, for a deep dive into their current projects and visions for the future of role-playing. Find out more about all these shows at OneShotPodcast.com. Modifier's theme music was created by my favorite Bothan, Cat Greenfield, whose myriad talents are on display at CatGreenfield.com. Join me again in two weeks for another episode of Modifier. See you then. <laughs>